Today's sponsor is Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. We'd also like to thank Qualcomm for making today's show possible. First, they connected the phone to the internet. Now they're connecting the internet to everything else. Qualcomm, they're the inventors bringing the future forward faster. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the person secretly running Donald Trump's Twitter account. <laughs> oh, you can't. <laughs> Try that again. Keep it in. Keep it in there, Shelley. You may know me as the person secretly running Donald Trump's Twitter account, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. And while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair is Sally Krawcheck, the CEO and co-founder of Elevest, which offers investment solutions for women. Elevest argues that women approach investing differently and that other firms cater only to men. No surprise. Sally knows a lot about that, having previously worked at Citi and Merrill Lynch, and since May 2013 has been chairman of Elevate, a professional network for women. Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kara. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you here, actually. Um, we met at Cheryl Sandberg's house. We were at a Power Lady thing, right? I remember that a few yeah. years ago. Yeah, that's uh, Lady Fest, I call it. Like that. <laughs> um, and you had come and talked there and talked about various things. Let's start with your history, because you had quite a career on Wall Street, one of the few most prominent women bankers, yeah. essentially. Talk a little bit about what you've done and how you got to where you're... Yeah, so my, my background is I spent I guess it's decades mm-hmm. on Wall Street. Investment banker in the early days hated it. Mm-hmm. Research analyst in my younger days loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, CEO of Sanford Bernstein, and then I ran Smith Barney. So I was a CEO of Smith Barney, the chief financial officer of Citigroup, and then eventually the CEO of Merrill Lynch Wealth Management. So right. I. So you're a around. unicorn. Because, yes, you've been around. But you had these are high ranking. I think I'm a unicorn dancing on a rainbow. <laughs> Probably. Actually. Right, exactly. And the uh, the one straw. <laughs> so talk about that experience. I mean, you hated it, but you were there. Oh, no, 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 no. I loved it. I right. hated being an, a junior yeah. investment, investment banker. banker. Right. I loved the research business, the wealth management business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have stayed so long if right. I didn't. Well, um, talk about your experience there. I mean, you so you had the very traditional coming up on Wall Street essentially. I guess traditional, but not for many women. Mm-hmm. So very quickly. In fact, you know, Kara, was rem- I was telling my daughter this past weekend, it was about the age of 24 mm-hmm. when I looked around and realized I was the most senior woman banker mm-hmm. at the company in the city I was working in. Mm-hmm. So it was traditional in some ways, untraditional in others, uh, because there were so few women. And, there, and look, you know, I, it was a great opportunity to be in some senior roles at lots of folks don't get to do. Right. Why did you succeed, would you say, given the paucity of women? Well, I think super hard work, luck, and being smart enough or fortunate enough to be in jobs in which results mattered and were quantifiable. So as a research analyst, it wasn't, hey, you were part of a team of 10 people, and then you sort of politic your way to get promoted. As a research analyst, were your stock recommendations good or bad? Also, I made a very significant bet mid-career when I was running Sanford Bernstein that I got us out of the investment banking business. We were a research business. We were also in investment banking. There's a fundamental conflict between those two businesses. I did think- doesn't seem to mind that conflict. Well- 
at the time, I said, look, you know, we can't do both of these jobs well, serve the research investor and serve the corporate client. And so took us out of the corporate business, lost millions of dollars, lost lots of analysts. And people told us we were dead wrong. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, a few years later, in comes Elliot Spitzer, recognizes and reveals these conflicts of interest. The first mm-hmm. time emails were used to mm-hmm. prove these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sanford Bernstein was the one. So our business soared. And then Sandy Weil came to me and said, we've got this problem at Smith Barney. Come run Smith Barney for us. I said, mm-hmm. I beg your pardon? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm running 386 <laughs> yeah. people. Right. You want me to run 25,000, 30,000 right. people? Right. But it worked. Right. So your career on Wall Street, Talk about how it ended, because it's a really interesting story. Yeah, so I got fired. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, was running Smith Barney into the financial crisis. I was running Smith Barney. We missold investing products to clients. Right. They were supposed to be low risk. We thought they were. They were high risk. They were supposed to lose eight cents on the dollar. They lost about a hundred. Mm-hmm. And I went to my then new CEO of Citigroup and said, I think we should partially reimburse clients. He said no. I said yes. He said no. I said yes. It went to the board. The board sided with me. And as happens, I don't have to tell you in mm-hmm. these kind of debates that go when you mm-hmm. go up against your boss at the board, I was fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you though know. you were right. I think I was right. I certainly can see his point of view. Mm-hmm. Geez, you know, we this quarter is very important. If we start returning money now, other people will want to get their money back. I can see his point of view. I think I was right. And I thought I was right enough that I was willing to be fired for it. Mm-hmm. And why did you think that? Why, why did you? Because a lot of people will just gloss over, just let it, oh. let it pass. Oh. They can take it. We did wrong. Right. You know, we we did stupid mm-hmm. is what I should say. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I spent a Some lot of time saying, wrong, like, well, purposely. but I actually spent a lot of time, Kara, researching. I mean, out, tens, if not hundreds of hours, was there an evildoer here? Did somebody do this to make extra money and hoodwink mm-hmm. the little guy? I never found well, anything. Is willful ignorance the same thing? Well, sometimes it's just you're dumb. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just miss stuff. And I said, look, you know, we were dumb. We should have been smarter. Our clients paid us for being smarter. Mm-hmm. So let's partially reimburse them. You know, as I as time has passed, I've come to the point of view, it's a relationship focus that I had. Um, as well as a long-term perspective on the business, which on Wall Street and in some publicly traded companies is simply missing. Mm-hmm. And even if the board sided with you, why did you have to be the one to get fired? Just because you went up against the I know. Same. And, you know, I'll tell you the truth. Every once in a while now, I'll run into a former member of the board, and they will say to me something. And it ha- actually happened as recently as about six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, you know, Sally, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You I like loved keep, my job. To keep the CEO anyway. I guess that's better than a sharp stick in the eye, but yeah. not as good as a cup of coffee from yeah. Starbucks. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so you, but talk about the way Wall Street thought about finance. Then it's changed really drastically in terms of everything. Like uh, how how think or do you think it has? I don't think changed? it has. Because I don't think why? it has. I think the the thing that's changed is the investment banks, the large banks now have more capital, so they're less leveraged than they were, mm-hmm. but they're still highly leveraged. They're still mm-hmm. one of the most highly leveraged industries out there. Right. And I don't think we have a clue as to whether they will survive the next downturn better than the last downturn. Right. Do you note any feelings of change on Wall Street, you know, given digital changes, given, uh, you know, FITEC and yeah. all kinds of things? Or do you feel they still operate in the same way? Well, I've been out and of... we're going to get to what yeah. you're doing now. So I've been out of it for a bit. Everybody 
talks about the importance of innovation. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you not? Right. It is extremely difficult to innovate within those large institutions because, because I mean, how many of the young engineers who are working at a hot startup on your side of the country secretly really, really want to be working at a several hundred thousand mm-hmm. person bank? Right. Like nobody, zero. right? Mm-hmm. And in fact... So there's a lot of technology involved. In all there's these. a lot of technology, but it's mostly business as usual. And some folks are innovating, but a lot of the great minds want to do the startups themselves. The other thing I'd say is a lot of the processes kill innovation. I saw it happen again and again and again. We're going to report earnings this quarter. What can we cut? Well, look, there's that this team over here trying to innovate. Get rid of them, mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, you've lost a lot of talent on Wall Street over mm-hmm. in the large banks over the past decade. So you've seen a talent drain. So the combination of all that and that march of quarterly earnings, I was there. I was at the big banks, and they said, well, now let's innovate. And people go, ah. Uh, what does innovate mean to you from a digital point of view at banks? Well, but it's the how – I mean, hell, it's just – getting rid of some of the um, underbrush that Mm -hmm. gets in the way of serving customers and clients well. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you gotten a mortgage lately? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pain in the ass. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so what you can see is startups come in with a fundamentally different perspective Mm -hmm. on these things and a a completely fresh look on them. It's hard for banks to take. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And the regulators. I mean, the regulators are leaning over into banks in a way that they aren't yet with some of the startups. With some of the startups. Yeah. Do they have a sense of it when you were there? Do they see this? the, the internet changes? Do they see what was coming? Because there's not a lot of very financially oriented companies that are moving into the regulatory yeah, spaces. Well, that... What I would say is they certainly see it coming. What you're seeing a number of the large institutions do, which I think can make sense, is they're investing in some of the startups. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. Say, and they've yeah, done this Symphony, for any number of years where mm-hmm. they say, we hope we can do this inside. We're not sure that we can, so we'll invest in any number of these to get a seat at the table, to be early in, to sort of hedge our bets. And and you've seen companies like Goldman do that for a long time where they place a whole yeah, bunch Marty. of little bets. Marty. And it's really not that much money for them mm-hmm. to get that seat at the table. And I think that can make a lot of sense. Do you see it changing rather drastically at all as we come? Well, I've been out of them for a few right. years. So but you're a smart observer of how they operate. You feel like it's, it's sort of like healthcare. It's just going to continue the same way and not be impacted by... I think it's hard to change. It's hard to change. All right, we're talking with Sally Krawcheck. We'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Casper has made the perfect mattress and sells it directly to consumers to save you money. The Casper is obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Shipping to both the U.S. and Canada is completely free, and there's a 100-day risk-free trial and return policy. If you don't love your Casper mattress, they'll pick it up and refund everything. These mattresses are made in America. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Stop paying for the mattress industry's inflated prices. Go to casper.com slash R-E-C-O-D-E and use the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also sponsored by Qualcomm. They were the company that first connected our phones to the internet, making phones smart. And now they're connecting the internet to everything else. Most people don't know this, but Qualcomm creates the technologies we use every day. Whether it's powering experiences in our smartphones, Wi-Fi in our routers, sensors in our cars, or virtual reality, Qualcomm is leading the way to a fully connected world. 
Technology is at a pivotal juncture. Billions of devices are becoming connected, affecting not only how we communicate with each other, but also how entire industries are shaped. From healthcare to automobiles to smart homes to smart cities, Qualcomm is leading a wave of innovation that will significantly improve how we live. They're accelerating the seamless connectivity as well as intelligence of billions of devices and leading the world to 5G. Sal, are you excited about 5G? Totally. Yeah, right. Completely. It's just a word. You know that. <laughs> just FYI. They love the numbers. It's a number, too. It's a, it's a man thing. Do you know what I mean? Ah! I to say it. Well, let's talk about the man thing. Let's talk the about what you're doing thing. at Elevest and yes, Elevate. Yes, which is the Explain woman thing. The woman thing. So it's interesting. You, having been one of the few women investment mm-hmm. bankers, you had up close how they think about it. It's very, it is similar to healthcare. Things are oriented around men and banking is oriented yep. around men. Yep. And talk about what you're doing now. Talk first about Elevate itself. It's a network for so, women. Yeah. So Elevate is the old 85 Broads. It's a global professional women's 85 network. 85 Broads was the original. It was the original one, which is the sort of informal Goldman Sachs women's alumni network. Right. That sort of a There were just 85 name. of them. No, it was the takeoff on the headquarters, 85 Broad Street. They've long moved from then. Right. And so that's something that I bought a handful of years ago Mm -hmm. uh, based on the insight that uh, networking is the number one unwritten rule of success in business. Men tend to do it better and earlier than women do. And if I wanted to help help women get ahead, this was a way by bringing them together. Mm -hmm. So you had 85 Broad and then you changed it to Elevate. And yes. explain what they do. What, what's they, what do they actually do? It, do they come together both online and in-person events, share ideas, share connections, share job opportunities, share young people who want to get together, uh, hear from speakers who motivate them, teach them, inspire them, both online and in person. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, some people say it's a LinkedIn for women, but with physical. There's a, a lot of physical... groups like this. Cheryl obviously has her lean-in yeah. things. There's, uh, there's yeah. a younger Le- Levo Levo League, exactly. Why are these important? Talk a little bit about them because they do them a lot in Silicon Valley. It's actually happens there. I just was at an Aileen Lee venture capital. Yeah, she's doing a great job. Mm -hmm. It's important because getting women ahead in business is important. And before everybody turns off the podcast and says, "Oh, here, here we go," you know, the research that. Well, first of all, it started when I was on Wall Street, uh, which was very male going into the crisis and was even more male coming out of the crisis. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anyone who can say, you know, if there had been more women on those trading floors. right? Iceland. Yeah, that's exactly right. But imagine it. These trading floors are just sea of guys. Mm -hmm. And that if there's more diversity, what has been shown is that businesses have lower risk. Businesses tend to earn higher returns. Businesses have more innovation. It's diversity of all kinds, gender diversity, one of them. And having lived through the searing experience and the searing pain of the financial crisis and having the industry come through less diverse, this is a potential solution. I think if I call it research is that men tend to take more ridiculous risks. You know it. And they egg each other on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They egg each other on. And there's a correlation between testosterone and Mm risk-taking. So bringing women in can settle things down. Just by the way, if you have too many women, that bringing some guys in can rev things up a bit. Diversity right. is the the uh, goal. Is here. the goal here? And so you get together, they have speeches and things like that. So Elevest is separate from this and network. And yeah. what our results are showing is that women tend to get ahead when they have this strong network. Right. Elevest, sort of similar names, completely different concept, but both are around closing these gender gaps. Elevest is a digital investment platform targeted to women. Mm-hmm. 
well, Sally, we don't need one of those. Right. Look at all these money other digital money. investment money is And then money. we sometimes hear, how dare you patronize me? Mm-hmm. Women don't need their own thing. Well, okay. back up. There's a gender investing gap in this country. Women don't invest to the same extent that men do. Mm-hmm. This can cost women. Some women. What are women doing with their money? Well, they have less. Keeping the bank. Keeping the bank. Well, they they have less of it. But you know what? That's a lot of folks will say. Until we solve the gender pay gap, forget about the gender investing gap. That's like saying I broke my arm and I broke my leg. Until I can fix my leg, I'll let my Mm -hmm. arm dangle. Mm -hmm. Both of these are important, and the gender investing gap costs some women more. Mm -hmm. And it can cost women if you're making eighty-five thousand bucks a year. Putting aside 20% a year in the bank instead of investing it, it can cost you a million and a half, two and a half million or more over the course of your life. These numbers are big, mm-hmm. big. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing up a group and to address the concerns. Why do we need a separate women's investment? Well, first of all, because what's out there isn't working. Mm-hmm. Now, one hypothesis as to why it's not working is go back to my old industry, the advisors who worked for me, Merrill Lynch, Smith Barney, 85% male. Mm-hmm. If the advisor and the client, the male client, don't die in any given year. The attrition rate's less than 2%. In the year after the husband's death, the woman's attrition rate is 70% mm-hmm. or more hmm. or more. Women say the industry doesn't speak to them, can be condescending to them, mm-hmm. doesn't understand their needs. Women say, you know, women are sitting back in their chairs and mm-hmm. it's costing them a fortune. Is there, it's interesting, I, I agree with you. I have some financial advisors that were lecturing me about tech recently and I was, what? I, I sat, I know, it was fast. I just let them do Mansplain. it. Mansplain, that's called mansplaining, <laughs> no, Kara. No, they were trying to be smart. I, I think uh, they were very nice. Mansplaining. In a way, I just, yeah. I was sort of like, yeah. that's incorrect, yeah, that's got inaccurate, it. that's got it, got not it. correct, yeah. got it, I'm pretty okay on got this it, stuff. It. it was really interesting. But how do you differentiate them when you're doing investing? Yeah. So it's an online product. Online the product. product. So the product. think of it, it, you can think of it as a wealth front right. or betterment targeted to There's women. There's all these but new online exactly. tools. We did hundreds of hours of research with women because I went in thinking, oh, look at me. Right. I'm a woman. Right. I ran Merrill Lynch. I got this. Mm-hmm. But some of my presuppositions, is that a word, mm-hmm. my, my expectations going in were wrong. Mm-hmm. For example, I thought women must have emotional blockages mm-hmm. around money. Gender bias alert, no. What women told us is we don't tend to think the way Wall Street thinks. This idea of earning, investing money to have more money leaves me cold. Outperforming the market leaves me cold. Picking the best manager, uh-uh. That really what I want my money to do for me, f- help me figure out how much my goals are going to cost, and then help me invest to get there. That's what I want to do. Talk to me also about things like the fact that my career break can cost me more than a million dollars. I think it's a couple hundred thousand, Mm -hmm. but a couple-year career break has an ongoing drag through the course of your life. Other things that are super important, take into account in my investing and my planning that I live longer than men. Ooh, that matters in an Mm -hmm. investing plan that my salary peaks sooner than men's, ooh, hate that matters too, and that my risk awareness is such that I want you to get me to where I'm going in the majority of markets. Mm -hmm. So it's really, Kara, a fundamentally different way of approaching investing in addition to content and advice around issues of the street overall or the investing industry overall, just Which as you're talking what? to. What would be around Again, it's the career, career breaks, break, the, um, the, what, you know, the financial cost of having a child, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, what was interesting is that when folks go into it, some people say, fantastic, love the four women idea. Some people say, how dare you? Mm-hmm. 
how dare you dumb this down. Mm -hmm. What's interesting so far is nobody said, you know what, I'll bet this is smarter. Mm -hmm. And we believe we've got the smartest financial planning and investing algorithm out there Mm -hmm. right now. And so we're sort of aiming to change the way people think about the gender issue. Talk a little bit about that, about the digital part of it, because everything now in investment is digital. Everybody invests digitally. No, they don't. Well, they go to their partners, right? They go to their uh, storefront for various kinds, or else if they're wealthier, they have private bankers, for example. Yeah, but there are still a lot of individuals who are investing for individuals. Right, right. I mean, think about Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, UBS. You know, either either retail operations or they're for the very That's wealthy, right. for wealth That's management. Right. I'm sorry, I misspoke. What I mean is more and more younger people are using Betterment and some of these other tools. They are. And I think these have a long, long way to go. So what, I think it's a better way of investing. Let's talk about your product. What is your, your product is all online? It is all online. It really is an experience that we take her through in which she tells us a bit about herself. My name is Kara. I'm 32 years old. Yeah, I, no. make 80, I, know. I make $85,000 a year, a but da, 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 live in this zip code. I have a college degree or whatever. And then you tell us, here's what I want to achieve. I mm-hmm. want to buy a house. I want to start a business. I want to retire well. I want to have a baby. We calculate what we forecast are the costs of doing those things. You take a look at that and you say, that's very interesting. You know what? I'll buy the house later because I want to have the baby sooner. I will retire a little bit later with less money because I want to, whatever. You make these trade-offs, very powerful technology that enables you to do that. The earliest set of digital advisors would say, now pick one of five managed ETF portfolios. We put together a customized, completely customized investment portfolio whose target is to get you to that goal or better in 70% of market environments. Why not 100%? Because that's saving, not investing. We then track you there. And if you fall off track, you didn't make the monthly deposit, the market cracked more than we thought it would, we reach out to you and say, Kara, you're off track for your retirement goal invest another $1,000 or retire six months later or whatever those things are. So how are. used to people are using these? Because you made your career getting people to use face-to-face investing, essentially. Mm-hmm. And again, whether it's wealthy people having the special rooms with the extra sodas and lovely right. furniture, or it's just a storefront thing in a mall or things like that. People, how do you get people to turn to an online version of it? I'm so glad you asked, because not only did everybody say women in particular need face-to-face, mm-hmm. the women told us they needed face-to-face. Now, mm-hmm. keep in mind what's out there isn't working for them mm-hmm. right now. There's a gender investing gap. What we're finding is they were using the old model of what investing is. So women, men will invest through jargon and complexity. Women will not. And so the women are going and thinking, all right, you're going to use the word basis point. We're going to talk about alpha, mm-hmm. right? You're going to ask me to choose between a large cap value mutual fund and a mm-hmm. small cap growth ETF. I need a person. Mm-hmm. When instead we said to her, that's our job. We're a fiduciary. We will choose the right investment for you. We have this experience doing it decades. I'm sorry to tell you because that means mm-hmm. I'm old and my mm-hmm. chief investment officer mm-hmm. has got years on her. That's our job. Your job. And we'll even tell you how much risk. You're not going to tell us how much risk you think you can take. We're going to let you know how much risk you can afford to take mm-hmm. to get to your goals or better in 70% of markets. The only thing you, Kara, have to do is do you want a house that's more or less expensive and when? Do you want to have two kids? I mean, you know, so do you want to retire here? And so these are things she can control. And so what we're seeing, they tell us they need a person until they get in. And then we see them go through, make these trade-offs. We're seeing a pop 
in traffic night and on weekends, what the industry is not open nights and on the weekends, mm-hmm. when she's got the glass of Chardonnay and saying, what if I do this? What if I change this? So it's early days, but this whole idea of I need a person is based on how the industry was, not Which where wasn't it's good going. For women. Which wasn't terrible. Terrible. All right. We're here with Sally Krawcheck, and we're talking about Elevest, which is a new investment firm aimed at women, an online investment firm. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Wonder Capital. You probably know someone who has installed solar panels in their home. Small and medium-sized businesses want to go solar, too, but financing for commercial solar isn't easy to get. Wonder Capital is helping solve that problem. It allows individuals to invest in their solar funds, which go directly to helping those small and medium-sized U.S. businesses go solar. And since the beginning of the year, Wonder has originated over $25 million worth of solar projects. When businesses repay their loans to Wonder, you receive monthly cash flows in the form of interest payments. Wonder doesn't take any fees for investing your money. Two funds are available. The Wonder Income Fund returns 6% per year during a 10-year period, and the Wonder Bridge Fund returns 11% per year during a two-year period. These funds are asset-backed, the asset being the solar panel. Learn how you can begin earning up to 11% returns at wondercapital.com slash recode. That's W-U-N-D-R capital.com slash recode. I'd also like to tell you about Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who'd you talk to this week? Hey, Kara. Talked to Jim Miller this week. This is the guy who wrote the definitive oral histories of Saturday Night Live and then ESPN. And now he's done one called Powerhouse. It's about CAA, which for about 20 years was the dominant Hollywood talent agency. If you thought of Hollywood, you thought of these guys, Mike Opitz and that gang. It's a fascinating story, crazy stories about power and money and jealousy, a little bit of drugs too. So we talked about that. We talked about the future of Hollywood, really, and a little ESPN and Bill Simmons talk as well. It's all good. Back to you, boss. You can find Recode Media on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're here talking with Sally Krawcheck of Elevest. Sally's a longtime investment banker on Wall Street, and she has left that to start an online service, uh, investment service aimed at women. And we're talking about sort of the differences. Let's talk a little bit about the, the broader uh, financial picture for people, because there's so many more companies, this FiTech and SoFi, a whole bunch of them are trying different things. How do you assess sort of the market? Because this is one you're in now, and you're trying to get people to change their behaviors. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just think it's amazing what's happening and what's occurring, that so many of these companies are approaching different parts of the business with a goal of bringing down pricing, Mm -hmm. using technology to bring that down and give the benefits of that to the clients and customers, clarifying what, you know, have been opaque business practices, sales processes, Mm -hmm. jargon, et cetera. It's it's purposely so. Isn't it purposely opaque? You know, it's an interesting question, Kara. Um, Yes and no. Yes and no. I don't. I was there for a long time. We never went and said, "Let's make this super complicated for mm-hmm. everybody." But I think we all sort of like being the smart one, right? Mm-hmm. Did doctors really like pre-WebMD mm-hmm. when they were the expert? I think mm-hmm. people like being the experts, and so the combination of being the experts, being able to charge some good money for it, and you know, maybe not having to work all night and all weekend was not mm-hmm. a really bad thing. So how do you look at, do you think this is, a, is an area that is finally going to get disrupted? Again, there's more, things have fallen slower than in other parts of digital. You know, shopping, it's over, you know, pretty much. Right, and right, right. and uh, food, it's moving that way. Food delivery, 
uh, all kinds of areas are yeah. entertainment for sure. So some of the stuff is going to move more slowly because if you're an existing, we talked about this a little bit earlier, if you're mm-hmm. an existing client of a wealth ma- an established wealth management firm, mm-hmm. you know, and you're a 60-year-old guy and you've got plenty of money, why? Right? right? Why would you change it? You're playing golf with your buddy. Things are going well. You're feeling pretty well taken care of. I mentioned earlier the attrition rate's less than 2%. Mm-hmm. It, that's going to have to die off. It, it's going to die off. I actually was with the CEO of one wealth management firm. It wasn't one of the huge ones, but it was a big one who said they have more financial advisors over the age of 80 than under the age of 30. Wow. 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 Yeah. Right? So that business is going to slowly sort of ebb away. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you've then got to bring in the millennials who don't, who have money, but not a ton of money. And we hope bring women in too. So you really need to bring in these new client bases to take over from, you know, the existing client base right. of the industry. Who are used to using Tinder, used to using everything digitally. They want everything online right. at the point in time when they want them delivered to them in a way that really speaks their language, mm-hmm. but their parents aren't dying for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the parents still have the money. So how do you shift? So where are most of your clients now? Where are you getting them from? A lot of social, a lot of content, some PR, mm-hmm. women hearing about it, a lot of referrals, women talking to their friends about things. Uh, the women, it's early days for us. They tend to be women who have agency over their own money. So this is not the older woman who's inherited a lot of money. Sure. But women who are sort of, frankly, badasses in most parts of their lives, but mm-hmm. haven't figured out the investing thing. Right. But married and single. So women who are married but who've got their own money are coming to Elevest as well as those single professionals. Mm-hmm. And how do you get them, to, you know, that I can see them saying, why are you pandering to me? Why can't I just right. be with the big boys? Right. And they do that up until we say, Try we it. take into account your longer life. We take into account the fact that your salary peaks earlier. I mean, these things matter tremendously. You do these things wrong, you're out of money. Mm -hmm. And what we're also doing on the site is we're talking to them in their own language. Mm -hmm. The industry talks to them, again, through a lot of jargon and a lot of complexity and has a goal for them of picking this investment. And the women, they, they try to watch CNBC and they're like, you know, it's a friggin' sports channel. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. look at the brand yes, of the industry. Kara, it's a bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a phallic symbol. <laughs> Not a single woman has ever said to me, you know, Sally, that brand just speaks to me. You know, I see the bull and I think investing. They see the bull, they think lots of things. It's not investing. Yeah, yeah. And so we really are the ones. And it's, and What's your symbol? Fr- our, so we have a little Elevest like, insignia. It sort of looks like a designer's insignia. Okay, all right. But the woman who designed our site also— like a swan or something. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Beyonce, that's yeah, our Beyonce. symbol. Yeah, yeah. But the woman who designed our site worked on the redesign, led the redesign of Vogue.com. So mm-hmm. what we what I went around for a long time saying is, what if Tori Birch met you know, Merrill Lynch's grandchild? Right, okay. Right, if we combined— <laughs> Sort of the the financial services, the financial service experience. I say grandchild because Meryl's been been around for so long, but a more modern view of that mm-hmm. with a woman's aesthetic, a mm-hmm. woman's eye. Mm-hmm. Do not dumb it down at all, but do not use jargon. Mm-hmm. What would it look like? And it looks like Elevest. So when you're thinking about where investment is going, you've got to be thinking about how mm-hmm. it's delivered. So right now you have it over the website. Obviously, you need to have a mobile experience. Right. How do you imagine the millennials thinking about this because it's a it is a mentality of using everything from again from uber to tinder to yeah. there's nothing yeah. and we're seeing that digital. we're absolutely seeing that you know we've got responsive design and building the site so we're you know at any point i look in 
And, oh, look, it's more people on mobile. Nope. Now here comes the iPad. It's coming mm -hmm. in strong. Nope. People on their desktops. I've hypothesized, and we're seeing this, when they're putting together their full financial plan, they typically are sitting at home giving it real thought, Saturday afternoon types mm -hmm. of things. But we're seeing them check in on it from all kinds of places at all kinds of times. And who do you imagine your competitors are at, at this point? Well, is it's it, everybody. It it's it's everybody and really nobody. I mm -hmm. mean, when you talk to her, of course, we call her L. Yeah, yeah. When you By talk, way, can men use your service? Yes, yes, they can. Yeah. And when they do, mm -hmm. and they put in that they're a man, Kara, right. we have them die sooner and we have them okay, earn good. more. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Kill them off. But they can. But you know, I'm sorry, algorithmically, you're dead. You're dead. Point, yeah. But at one point, you know, we we said, well, maybe we shouldn't just be for women. And then we said, wait, 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 wait. We're happy to be for everybody, but without meaning to, the whole industry is talking to him. We should mm -hmm. be the ones who are talking to her. Mm -hmm. And if she brings him along, and we, we had in testing, it was pretty funny. We had in testing that moment, right, mm -hmm. where you're someone's testing, you're like, honey. You know, are we good for retirement? He says, oh, I'm watching Kramer, and we're going to mm -hmm. short this, and we're long mm -hmm. this. And she's like, okay, mm -hmm. but are we good for retirement? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you know, and then large cap value. So mm -hmm. she's like, oh, I'll friggin' do this too, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> then, right, do it themselves. You know, that if it's a language that we can right. all understand. Right. So it, it tends to be mostly women so far, but we certainly, we, we've got some right. smart guys. Um, I want to finish up talking a little yeah. bit about the broader financial picture mm -hmm. of this country. Obviously, we're in the middle of a really ugly presidential election. There's yes. all kinds of issues around the economy. Whether you get it online or offline, can you talk a little bit about where you see the economy? It's something you thought about a lot when you're you on You know, it's, it's interesting because through the, these businesses that I'm involved in, I keep hearing how bad the economy is. And mm -hmm. there are swaths of people who've been dislocated mm -hmm. by changes in the economy. And we need as a country to retrain these folks and get these folks back involved in the economy. I'll tell you on a day-to-day -day basis, the economy doesn't feel as bad from what I'm seeing through my businesses mm -hmm. as what I see on CNBC. Mm -hmm. People are doing business today. Mm -hmm. I think we, we do have uh, something that's looming for us as a country that I think about a lot. And to get back to the, the gender angle, we have this retirement savings crisis, which is $13 trillion in size, which is going to bear down on us at some point. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that I've gotten involved Explain in Explain that for people. Well, people should, just haven't saved enough for retirement, right. and they're going to outlive their money. Right. And so and, security certainly is. Oh, my. It's going to be gone at some point. And, and I had this insight a couple of years ago. I was putting on some mascara one morning. I said, son of a gun. The retirement Did you savings. actually say son of a gun? I said, no. Okay. I did not. <laughs> there are a few people say son okay. of a gun these days. Son of a bitch. I enjoy it. I don't okay. mean, in case my yeah. parents yeah. listen yeah. to yeah. this, but yeah. son of a bitch. Right. The retirement savings crisis is a woman's crisis mm -hmm. because we live longer than men. 80% right. of nursing home residents are women or 85%, and we retire with two-thirds of money of men. And so once we begin to look at the crisis in that way, the solutions are less about tax increases and entitlement cuts and things like, as we've talked about today, closing the gender investing gap, but also such things as having a mandated parental leave, that mm -hmm. if we do that for women, they tend to return to work more quickly, saves companies money in the first year research is now showing, and it has us save more in Social Security and 401k for retirement. Mm -hmm. So you know, I've started to really think about there's some solutions to intractable problems if we look at them in a different way mm -hmm. that can be a path forward for the country. But 
it always feels weird to put a gender lens on things. But it, it is. You, when you think about it, so the retirement issues going mm-hmm. forward as the baby boomers age, it's really the, the great enormous group of baby boomers. Yeah. What else? Trade? Right now, trade is in the is in the news. Yeah. Now nobody's for trade anymore. I know. Bad for the economy, I think. Yeah. Boy. Good for politics, bad for the I mean, economy. it's hard because the benefits of trade are spread out amongst all of us, and it's dollars. But if you are that individual who lost their job because of a trade agreement, it's your whole life. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you go to buy something at the store and it costs you a few dollars less, you don't really feel that. Mm-hmm. If that is reversed, of course, that will be a big break on the economy, a very negative on the economy. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. hard to get as whipped up about the few bucks you're saving as it is about the guy who's lost his job. Mm-hmm. And lastly, you know, after the crisis, you lived through that crisis, and that's oh. the thing that got you fired. Mm-hmm. Like it got because yeah. you were trying to do right by people. Are we in that vulnerable position again? Do you see what lessons did you learn from that? I ask every someone I have here, what mistake did you make? Oh. What I'm sure there's plenty. Women so always many. come up with mistakes. So many, like my first husband. What a mistake. <laughs> I gotta tell you, Carol. What a mistake. All right. What? So, okay, besides him. All right, TMI. Um, I know. Sorry about that. I asked this actually to everybody I worked with during the crisis. The the truth is we may or may not be setting ourselves up for another crisis and we'll never see it coming. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, there's this concept called creeping determinism, which is, gosh, the crisis was so obvious. Mm-hmm. I was there. It wasn't so obvious that it was occurring in subprime. In fact, I can tell you the company at which I worked, we thought there was a bubble and it was China. Mm-hmm. And we were actively preparing for when China imploded, it would be X, Y, Z. You know, by definition, these crises, almost by definition, are something you don't see coming. Otherwise, you'd be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. This time, it was not Brexit. It doesn't appear. Mm-hmm. But next time, it will be something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, having these large institutions have more capital is really the only answer. And to they're still them. pretty highly leveraged. Right. And last question, I, I do ask this to every speaker because you're an entrepreneur mm-hmm. now. I, I would dub you an entrepreneur. Um, what piece of advice would you give entrepreneurs? You know, you're, you've changed your career rather drastically. Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. trying. I think I'm trying to have every professional it used to be town experience. Cars and, and oh, honey, you, honey. <laughs> well, look at the jeans right here. I know, I know. I can, well, no, no, no. I, I said you still have the blazer. <laughs> well, actually, because I've been meeting in Midtown, right. that is the only uh, right. okay. if reason say, I think that you I can't do. Help you know, entre- no entrepreneur. You just have to care. You have to be so passionate about this. You have to feel the way you felt me feel when we were talking about Elevest earlier, because Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, and I alone can say this, being an entrepreneur is harder than running Merrill Lynch. Mm -hmm. Only I can say that. The only time in my career I've lost sleep, wake up 3.30 in the morning, and you know you're not going back to sleep, is when I've been an entrepreneur, even in the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. Even in the financial crisis, because I had such a team around me, you just felt like, all of us together are going to figure this out. You know, as an entrepreneur, you put your reputation on the line. You put your standard of living on the line. You put your family on the line. You put it on the line. And whereas I could make plenty of mistakes running Merrill Lynch. I mean, hell, we had a couple billion dollars of cash flow. Yeah. What's the difference? You've got two or three in you at best as an entrepreneur. And I always say we're trying to create something out of dirt. Right. So Out of dirt. Speaking of dirt, um, what is one mistake you made that you corrected? Or is there something that you've done that you wish yeah, you had? Um, you know, I went into this with embedded views of what women wanted that were built up over time by spending lots of time with men. Mm-hmm. And so an example, 
is that I, I mentioned, I touched on this earlier, I really thought that women's blockages for investing was the fact that they had emotional things they had to work through. I mean, how man does this, how right. male does this sound? Right, yeah. And so I actually spent real money mm-hmm. for a user journey that would help them identify their emotional blockages and get through them. And you know what the women did in the hundreds of hours of research we did, but it, it only took a few to figure this out. They flipped me the bird. Mm-hmm. And they said, I might have emotional issues around money, but mm-hmm. I am so not interested in exploring this. Mm-hmm. What I want you to do is get me to the goal. And so we had a firm, an outside firm we were working with. We fired them. We just said, okay, keep on. And we really let the women lead us to it. And what's so interesting, Kara, I email personally everybody who registers huh. um, as after they've had the chance to go through the experience. Kara, I'm not getting for, you know, hey, what's the feedback? I'm not getting two lines or I'm not I'm not getting ignored. I'm getting paragraphs. I mean, I was on the way over here, 12 paragraphs from a woman because they understand this gap, they under this investing gap, they understand what's out there doesn't work for them, and they truly want to be part of something that can make things better for themselves and for other women. It's right. really remarkable what's happening, if you're open to it. Right. Well, this is fascinating. So it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming by. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews I've done with Yahoo activist Eric Jackson, Hamilton lead producer Jeffrey Seller, and Coursera president Daphne Kohler, just to name a few. All those interviews and more are at recode.net slash decode. Now that you're done with this, why not try one of our other podcasts? Recode Media with Peter Kafka comes out every Thursday. On Fridays, I host Too Embarrassed to Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from our events like the Code Conference, Peter Kafka's Code Media, and Jason Del Rey's Code Commerce. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsors, Casper, Qualcomm, and Wonder Capital. Thanks also to Digital Media, which distributes this show. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. I'll be back here Monday with another great guest. Tune in then.